This is the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's Editor-in-Chief, David Wildstein. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, I hope everyone's having a great day, enjoying some nice weather and preparing for a primary election that's just 17 days away. Voting has already begun. Vote-by-mail ballots have been out in all of New Jersey now, most of it for for almost a month. But we're now at a crunch uh, as candidates are making their closing arguments in the 2021 Republican primary. In New Jersey, we'll be watching the race for the Republican nomination for governor. We'll see who Republicans pick to take on Governor Phil Murphy in the fall. I'll be watching state Senate primaries in Bergen and Atlantic counties, assembly primaries in Bergen and Morris and Monmouth and and local elections all over the state. Uh, I'll have two more shows between now and the primaries. You'll hear me say this twice more. Take responsibility for your ballot. Polling places are open in person for voting this year, so make your plans to vote. If you can't vote in person on June 8th, request a vote-by-mail ballot. But do it fast. Time is running out. And I'm going to be bold and, and say this. If you have a vote-by-mail ballot sitting in your home and, and you haven't returned it, I wouldn't use the U.S. Postal Service if I were you. Find out where the ballot drop box is located closest to your house. Uh, you can call your municipal clerk or your county clerk to find out. But, but we're at a point with just 17 days left where using the post office is perilous. We've got two great guests on the New Jersey Globe Power Hour this week at 420. I'll be joined by Congressman Andy Kim, a New Jersey Democrat. He's in his second term. He's building a national following in Washington. And I'm going to ask him about that and about his vote to create a bipartisan commission to investigate what happened at the U.S. Capitol on September 6th. So please don't miss it. And coming up at 435, I'll speak with Doug Steinhardt. He's a former New Jersey Republican state chairman. He's a conservative leader uh, in New Jersey. And, and I want to talk about the upcoming primaries, the, the chances of unseating Governor Phil Murphy, uh, some breaking news on Friday about stock deals involving Congressman Tom Malinowski. I'm going to ask him about that. Doug Steinhardt never holds back, and, and you're most definitely going to want to hear what he has to say. Uh, some other big news coming up in New Jersey, I think on Monday, uh, some media outlets have reported, I'm hearing the same thing, is that Governor Murphy will lift the mask mandate in time for the Memorial Day weekend. Uh, if you're just tuning in, this is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe, and you're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. New Jersey has public financing of gubernatorial campaigns. Uh, here's what that means. After a certain amount, raising about $150,000, if if you get to a level where you've raised a half a million dollars, the state of New Jersey will match your contributions $2 for every $1 you raise. It's not a bad deal. And, and for example, Republican Jack Cittarelli, he received a check from the state this week for about a quarter of a million dollars uh, after he raised about 80-something thousand dollars over the last two weeks. When a candidate accepts public financing, they agree to accept some of the rules that come with it. One is they agree to a spending cap, and in the primary, that's $7.3 million. Uh, They also agree to participate in two officially sanctioned debates. Governor Murphy is taking public funds. He's he's going to get to spend $7.3 million on a primary that... Uh, it, it doesn't really exist because he's unopposed for the Democratic nomination, but he's he's on the ballot, uh, and because he has no primary opponents, he doesn't have to debate. On the Republican side, Chitterelli is the only candidate to qualify for matching funds, but he has to debate because of a, a loophole in state election law that allows self-funders to qualify for debates without being entitled to matching funds. That puts Chitterelli on the debate stage with one opponent, 
Hirsch Singh, a, a perennial candidate who qualified because he put up about a half a million dollar of his own money. Maybe it's his father's money. I don't know. That's a that's a story for another time and 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 after after some additional review. But but there's there's not a whole lot of interest in these debates, which will be held uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. But if you want to see them, and and you should you should watch them because dates debates are important. You can tune in on Tuesday. It'll be at 7 p.m. on New Jersey 101.5 and on Wednesday at 8 p.m. at NJPBS. And after the debate on Wednesday night, I'm going to do a a post-debate analysis, a post-game analysis uh, on the New Jersey Globe website. We'll we'll, uh, live stream it to Facebook Live, to Twitter, to YouTube. Uh, First, I'm going to speak with Matt Rooney. He is the editor of Save Jersey, a Republican news site. And then after Matt Rooney, I'll speak with Saley Avalenda. She is the executive director of the New Jersey Democratic State Committee, and we'll get her take on the Republican debate. So you will not want to miss that. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe, and you're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour. Uh, Every few years... The Monmouth University poll asked New Jerseyans about how they remember past governors. And, and as a political junkie, this cavalcade of governors poll is, is my favorite. So, so thank you to the poll director, Patrick Murray, uh, for doing this. And, and I'm going to talk about how New Jerseyans view Chris Christie in a moment. Uh, but first I want to talk about some of the other governors. And, and let me state the obvious here. The longer a governor's out of office, the longer their memories fade from people in this state, and that makes sense. There's there's a lot of people who just weren't around when these when when these men and women were governor. Uh, a lot of people, sadly, who were there, are not around anymore. This universal name recognition of a governor uh, during his or her time in office it's it's not permanent. Uh, governor Tom Kane who served from 1982 to 1990, he remains New Jersey's most popular ex-governor. And and that's not surprising. No governor has left office with the kind of approval ratings that Kane did. Uh, Two things to know about Tom Kane. He won his first primary with 31% of the vote in a crowded field. Uh, He was elected governor by, uh, get this, 1,797 votes in 1981. That That's out of about 2.3 million votes cast. Uh, that's six one-hundredths of a percent. Closest race in New Jersey history. The recount took weeks. And four years later, Kane was reelected by the biggest landslide in the state history. He won with 70% of the vote. It was almost 800,000 votes. So Kane's favorables now are 33-14. Uh, after 32 years uh, since he's left office, 53% of the state doesn't have an opinion of him. That's 10 points higher than the Monmouth poll had him in, in 2018. Uh, Kane has stayed in the public eye. He was president of Drew University, chaired the uh, September 11th commission. Uh, so so he's remained there. About, about the same number of people remember Jim Florio. He was uh, he was the most unpopular elected governor until just a few years ago. And, and as time has gone by, New Jersey's mellowed a little bit. Florio's favorables have gone up. His unfavorables have gone down. History is beginning to treat Jim Florio a little better. Same with Jim McGreevy. Christy Whitman, a Republican, she's been out of office 20 years. Her her favorables are split. A third of the state doesn't know who she is. Uh, and she's remained in the news as a critic of President Trump. Last year, she uh, spoke at the Democratic National Convention. She endorsed Joe Biden. This month, she suggested that it might be time for moderate Republicans to bolt the party and form a new party. Uh, but that hasn't cost Whitman much in terms of her favorables. Republicans, it's just down nine. 9% since 2018. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour, and I'm talking about Monmouth University polls on governors of New Jersey. Now, let's talk about Chris Christie and how the Monmouth poll affects his possible bid for the presidency in 2024. Uh, the news is not unexpected. New Jerseyans still don't like him. Christie's favorables are upside down. That means more people view him unfavorably, 64%, than favorably, which is 26%. The, the numbers 
aren't much different than they were three years ago when he finished his two terms as governor. Seventy percent of the people in New Jersey say they don't think Christie would make a good president. And and get this, the number is significant. Just 17% say that he should run for president. 59% say, personally, they don't want him to run. Now, here's the bad news for Christie. Just 16% of Republicans in his home state say they want the former governor to run for president. 48% of Jersey Republicans don't want him to run, and, and now this is very Jersey, 36% of Republicans, they don't care what Christie does. Uh, and to put that into some context, uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida, he's got an 89% approval rating in New Jersey. So, so the news for here is this. If Christopher runs for president, he's probably not going to win New Jersey. Bigger problem for him is in the money. 43%, about $3.8 million of what he, what he raised when he ran for president. I don't think that's going to be there. And, None of this might matter anyway. A, a poll released by Morning Consult and Politico this week shows hypothetically Donald Trump, if he ran again, would get 50% of Republicans voting for him. Uh, Christie, the pollster didn't even bother including him in the polls. Uh, I'll be right back to speak with Congressman Andy Kim. I'm going to ask him about events in Washington this week, about his fight to combat racism against Asian Americans. And coming up at 535, I'll be joined by Doug Steinhardt, former New Jersey Republican state chairman. So you're going to want to listen to both what both of them have to say. And please, please stay tuned. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. And you're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. The pandemic of 2020 felt like a dark tunnel. And while 2020 is over, the impact is not. I'm New Jersey's former governor, Richard Cody. The pandemic affected our physical and mental health. My wife, Mary Jo, and I started the Cody Fund for Mental Health to Change Lives. Mental health issues can impact any family, including ours. That's why we want everyone to know about NJ211. NJ211 is an information and referral service connecting anyone in crisis to the help they need. It's for everyone, veterans, seniors, even children. I'm living proof there's light at the end of the tunnel. And it's not a train, it's help. It's NJ211. Remember, it's okay not to feel okay. If you need help, go to nj211.org or dial 211. The following is a paid political announcement. Who is Hirsch Singh? Can we trust anything he says? Singh claims to be pro-Trump but publicly supported Barack Obama. He says he's a successful businessman, but records show he still lives with his parents paying zero in property taxes. Worse, Singh is bankrolled by the same major donor who funded liberals like Hillary Clinton and even Phil Murphy. That's deceptive. That's dishonest. That's her Singh. Republicans need a leader who can beat Phil Murphy. That leader is Jack Cedarelli. Jack will cut taxes, end the Murphy lockdowns, reopen our schools, defend life, and protect our freedoms. For decades, the liberal special interests have crushed New Jersey's working families, and it's only gotten worse under Phil Murphy. Jack Cedarelli is the conservative leader who can take them on and the only Republican who can win in November. Because Jack knows New Jersey can do better. And when he's governor, we will. Paid for by Cedarelli for Governor Inc. P.O. Box 427, Somerville, New Jersey. This is the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's Editor-in-Chief, David Wildstein. Congressman Andy Kim is serving his second term in the U.S. House of Representatives. Congressman, how are you? I'm doing well, David. Thanks for having me today. Well, thank, thank you for coming back. I just want to tell your bio briefly I, I hope i don't embarrass you but it's it's for those who, who don't know you you're you're 38 you're a Rhodes scholar you you work for the state department in afghanistan advising general petraeus you you ran the iraq desk for the national security council in the white house is is there ever a time when you look at other members of congress and realize you've you've got to be at the top of the intellectual food chain in washington well, look, I, I, I feel very humbled to work a job whose job description has been in the Constitution of the United States. And despite what you just said about my background, 
Well, what I'd also add is I'm a, I'm a public school kid from my district. I, you know, I did my entire K through 12 in the public school systems of New Jersey. I'm a son of immigrants. So for me to be a son of immigrants, married to an immigrant, a public school kid, to now be a representative in Congress, I feel humble. So, you know, look, it's about the impact, not just about the resume, but it's about the impact of what it is that I can try to achieve for my district that drives me. And, um, you know, that's really the only measure by which uh, anyone in Congress should be uh, should be looked at by their their voters and their constituents. And, and so, Congressman, and, and, and I say this with the utmost respect and, and and with much simpatico. I mean, you you are are seen by some some to be a, a bit of a nerd. And I mean, you <laughs> you you play the guitar and you sing Beatles songs at your campaign fundraisers. And in the middle of the night after the events on January six, you were you were helping to clean up the Capitol rotunda and. You just seem entirely comfortable in your own skin, and, and, and that's rare. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, look, what I'll say is that, um, is that if ever there is one encapsulation of my political strategy, it's, it's to just be me, to just make sure that this job doesn't change who I am and um, that I, I don't lose touch with why it is that I ran for Congress in the first place, which is because I'm a dad. You know, I never thought that I would run for office. So, you know, for me to do this, it's because I think that this is my best way of trying to be a dad, you know, fight for my kids. And so I just, yeah, I just try to be myself and um, just try to, to make sure I'm anchored in. And look, if I don't remind myself uh, of that, my wife, my wife certainly will <laughs> remind me that if I start to, if my, if my ego or my ambition starts to inflate, uh, she'll definitely bring me back out. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I, I had always been taught, I haven't always followed it, but I've always been taught that, that good government is good politics. Is, is it, can you add to that now that authenticity is good politics? Uh, you know, I certainly think that that's, that's part of it. Um, you know, I, I think about a line actually that I learned from a boss of my State Department where he said, you know, you don't have good government unless you have good people working in government. And, uh, you know, I really think that that's what really the American people want. You know, they want someone that, that's going to be earnest about serving them and in and, and, and public service. And they're frankly, I mean, especially in my district, in Burlington County and Ocean County, and they're fed up with just, just the, you know, the, the corruption and, and that kind of approach of politics. So, you know, the, the more that it's not just about being authentic, because you can be authentically, you know, egotistical and ambitious and, <laughs> And, and I don't think that that's what people want. I think what they want is to know that someone genuinely wants to serve and is in it for the right reasons and not putting themselves before the job. And I think that that's partly why people resonated with that photo of me cleaning the Capitol floor. I mean, look, I, I, I didn't realize I was being photographed, but I think that that's why the photo uh, sort of carries a feeling of authenticity there. And what it shows is something that my mom taught me, which is that there's no job beneath me. You know, there, there's, there's nothing that, that I'm unwilling to do. It's just about getting the job done. And I think that that's what a lot of folks want right now. And I'm speaking with Congressman Andy Kim of New Jersey. Congressman, this week you voted to create a bipartisan commission to investigate what happened to the Capitol on January 6th. What do you hope this panel accomplishes? Well, what I wanted to, to set forth is, is to understand what the truth is of that day. You know, right now, we, we live in a time where we're losing touch with that understanding of shared truth between us. You know, there, whether it's through disinformation or the fact that everything else seems to be colored through partisan lenses, that people don't know what to believe anymore, especially when it comes to that day, because, again, it just... You know, it's a matter of, you know, are you hearing it from the Democrats or the Republicans? We need to have some truth. Well, we recognize, and I think most Americans that saw it on that day recognize that that day was not an ordinary day. That day is, in fact, one of the darkest days in our democracy's history, and it deserves to be treated with respect to the magnitude of, of that moment, and we need to have some truth. And I have some colleagues saying, like, look, like, let's just turn the page. You cannot turn the page of American history until you actually write the page. And we need to write that truth. And I just say, you know, let truth be truth. Let's have a commission. It is the best chance that we will have of having some type of authoritative body that will have the respect of the country. It's the best shot. I'm not going to say that it will immediately get 
the respect of our country. But it's the best shot that we have during these divided, tough times. And we've got to try something so that we understand and document what happened on that day. And it's five months, nearly five months have passed since that day. Or As a member of Congress, do you feel safe in Washington, D.C. right now? Wow, it's, uh, I guess I didn't even realize it's been five months. It feels ever-present. Um, you know, I, I still feel that day uh, as I walk around the building. There's, you know, really not a day that goes by where I don't have some reflection upon that day. Uh, I, I will say that right now I, I do feel safe. Um, I, I, uh, but, uh, you know, there's always the unexpected nature. I mean, I felt safe on January 6th. I felt safe, frankly, on January Sixth in the morning, um, but you know it's, it was clear that I didn't understand the full challenges that we faced, and you know I did, you know, support efforts to try to increase security at the Capitol this past week. Um, uh, so you know, there's more that we can do, but I, I don't want to make it sound like you know I'm constantly living with you know with fear in sure. me. I mean, there, there, there's definitely you know I, I definitely am I'm concerned that that in general our our climate in America right now is so toxic. And I can foresee that having impacts um, on our politics, of course. But in terms of my day-to-day, I, I, I do feel safe when I'm there. I, I do feel like we're taking precautions. I do think we need more precautions. But uh, I'm not going to try to um, exaggerate the situation. And, and we talk about what the, the climate's like. Uh, I want to ask you about one specific thing, which is uh, uh, Asians and, and Americans and Pacific Islanders have faced uh, – uh, a rash of incidents of racism and, and hate in this country. Yeah. You are, uh, you're the first Asian American to represent New Jersey in Congress. You're one of four Korean Americans in, in Congress. Do you feel a certain sense of responsibility to be the, the lead spokesman on three this issue? Three stations, three minutes to your next Fox News 3030. I, I do. I, I do feel a responsibility. I mean, I, just, I feel a responsibility as, as an Asian American, as a as a father to two Asian American baby boys, and you know, I've shared recently a story about how my five year old came home one day and told me a bigger kid kept calling him Chinese boy, Chinese boy, and um, you know, and and just him kind of confronting perhaps the first experience of discrimination that he faced, and my sadness as a father knowing that he will face likely many more instances like that, or potentially even worse. So, you know, I, I do feel like this is a historic moment. I've never seen a moment like this before where there's so much attention on changes that Americans are facing. So I feel a, a need to try to, to raise that up and try to make the most of this moment because I know that our country has a short attention span and that it's only a matter of time before we move forward on other things. So I'm trying to get as much done as I can in this moment. Um, so, uh, you know, what I say is that in my district, you know, we stand up against hate in all forms. And, you know, whether it, I'm going to stand up on, on this, I'm going to stand up for, uh, you know, like I did in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder last summer. You know, we're going to keep working together and, and make sure that we're, we're trying to address these deep, deep challenges that we face uh, in every way we can. And I'm speaking with Congressman Andy Kim of New Jersey. You, you spent your first two years in Congress with Donald Trump in the White House. Now it's it's Joe Biden, who you have close ties to, uh, uh, the executive branch full of Obama White House alums like you. I mean, I think but Tony Blinken was your boss. He's now Secretary of State. You and, and Pete Buttigieg were Rhodes Scholars together at Oxford. You have an enormous number of connections right now. Uh, in Washington. How do these connections help your constituents? Well, it helps in terms of, you know, being able to talk directly to the, the Secretary of Veterans Affairs to be able to talk to him about, you know, the challenges that we're facing in Ocean County with the large veteran population there that's just, frankly, not getting the, the health care treatment that they need and deserve. And I'm pressing forward on that and trying to make sure we're addressing that. It helps where I can raise you know, the infrastructure problems that we have in New Jersey. And, yes, it's about Gateway, but it's about many more things as well, just making sure that D.C. understands that. I don't want them to just, you know, box a Gateway and then come with New Jersey. You know, there's a lot of things down in, in South Jersey and the shore that we need to address, too. So, you know, being able to talk to, uh, you know, Secretary of Transportation or others about this, 
And, uh, you know, frankly, just, you know, making sure that, that we're, we're getting this in the mix and, and finding the right ways to, to kind of connect those dots. I'm not going to promise that any of these connections are going to be able to draw, a red, you know, a dark red, you know, black line to, to, to fixing these problems because we have a lot of challenges with large, you know, with just even getting funding through in Congress amongst other issues. But it helps me put it in the best possible position for success. And I'm trying to use, uh, I'm not ashamed to try to use every and all tactic that I can to be able to deliver for my constituents and, you know, I'll continue to do that. And let me, we're, we're unfortunately running out of time. I feel like we could go on forever, but, but I, I want to ask you one question regarding your district, the, the Jersey Shore part of your district. Uh, what's your, what's your prognosis, uh, uh, now that, that many New Jerseyans have been vaccinated? What's your prognosis of the economy at the Jersey Shore this summer? Yeah, well, look, I mean, we, I, I was actually just at a town hall on this the other day, and we had the, uh, you know, the director of tourism for Ocean County uh, on that, and, you know, they're, they're, they're feeling very hopeful. And as am I when I go out to, you know, Seaside or Lavalette or elsewhere, is, you know, they're feeling hopeful that, you know, that people are going to come, um, that, that people are feeling it. I mean, I, I, from my experiences being out there the last couple of days, being out, you know, I think there's a hunger in our country right now to, to, to try to get back to, uh, you know, being around people and, and that kind of effort. So I'm hopeful that we'll be able to have a very successful shore season. Um, you know, I'll be honest, we are having some trouble when it comes to, um, you know, hiring up the workforce, and that's something I'm working with the Ocean County on, trying to find ways to be able to, to support small businesses. I'm the only member of Congress from New Jersey on the Small Business Committee. I'm not going to, you know, say that that everything's uh, exactly where we want it to be, but um, I think that there's an energy out there, and I'm hoping and, and praying that uh, you know our businesses out there will have the, the best possible success, especially after the the, the tragedy of last year's uh, summer season. We can't afford to to have anything less than 100% this time around. Well, we all have our fingers crossed for the Jersey Shore and for the rest of the state. Congressman Andy Kim, thank you again for for joining me on the New Jersey Globe Power Hour. Thanks, David. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. The following is a paid political announcement. Who is Hirsch Singh? Can we trust anything he says? Singh claims to be pro-Trump but publicly supported Barack Obama. He says he's a successful businessman, but records show he still lives with his parents paying zero in property taxes. Worse, Singh is bankrolled by the same major donor who funded liberals like Hillary Clinton and even Phil Murphy. That's deceptive. That's dishonest. That's her Singh. Republicans need a leader who can beat Phil Murphy. That leader is Jack Cedarelli. Jack will cut taxes, end the Murphy lockdowns, reopen our schools, defend life, and protect our freedoms. For decades, the liberal special interests have crushed New Jersey's working families, and it's only gotten worse under Phil Murphy. Jack Cedarelli is the conservative leader who can take them on and the only Republican who can win in November. Because Jack knows New Jersey can do better. And when he's governor, we will. Paid for by Cedarelli for Governor Inc. P.O. Box 427, Somerville, New Jersey. The pandemic of 2020 felt like a dark tunnel. And while 2020 is over, the impact is not... I'm New Jersey's former governor, Richard Cody. The pandemic affected our physical and mental health. My wife, Mary Jo, and I started the Cody Fund for Mental Health to Change Lives. Mental health issues can impact any family, including ours. That's why we want everyone to know about NJ211. NJ211 is an information and referral service connecting anyone in crisis to the help they need. It's for everyone, veterans, seniors, even children. I'm living proof there's light at the end of the tunnel. And it's not a train, it's help. It's NJ211. Remember, it's okay not to feel okay. If you need help, go to nj211.org or dial 211. When it comes to autism... Finding the right words can be tough. Finding community in these challenging times doesn't have to be. Join us, even virtually, to move together towards a kinder world for the millions of people on the autism spectrum. Find out how at autismspeaks.org slash together. 
Jersey Globe Power Hour is on. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back. It's David Wildston. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe. Doug Steinhardt is a former New Jersey Republican state chairman, and sometimes people forget this. He was a five-term mayor of Lopatcong, and I, I have a special affinity for, for former mayors. So, so, Mayor Steinhardt, how are you? Sir, I am well, thank you. How are you today? I'm, I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, the Republican primary is 17 days away. How do you handicap this race for governor? Look, it's shaping up for what most of us, I think, thought it would be. President Trump still has a a strong following among a lot of New Jersey Republicans, and those votes are going to matter in June. But I think what needs to come out of this is is a candidate who can pull the party together. That's going to be the biggest challenge, and and it isn't an easy one. I know it firsthand for being state chairman. I know you know it firsthand, David, when Chris Christie won in 09, there were 300,000 fewer Democrats, and the governor won by just 70,000 votes, and he did it with some alliances that I don't think can be replicated in 2021. There's a million more Dems, and that's a big number, so we're going to need a strong, unifying message, Dave, one that gives 51% of New Jerseyans more hope than Phil Murphy and the Democrats can, or I think we're in trouble as a party. So I'm as anxious as you are to see what comes out of, of the June primary. And, and there are two debates coming up this week. They're between Jack Chitterelli and Hirsch Singh. Two other candidates, Phil Rizzo, Brian Levine, they didn't qualify for the debates. So, so for Republican primary voters who are still undecided, what should they be watching for in these debates? Well, I, I think it goes back to what I just said. It's, it's the person that has the, 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 the strongest, most unifying message. we got to figure out how we cut into that million-voter disparity and make sure that we can bring the party back together post-June. Uh, that's our biggest challenge. It's been our biggest challenge for a long time. It's certainly going to be our biggest challenge going into the November general election. And I'm speaking with former Republican State Chairman Doug Steinhardt. The, the latest Monmouth University poll put Governor Murphy's approvals at 57%, 66% in New Jerseyans think the governor's done a good job dealing with the pandemic. I, I, I know because I watch your, your Twitter account very carefully, you don't agree, but, but what, will New Jersey be, change their minds about him before November? Look, I, I, I personally believe it's a soft 60%. It's a soft 60% for this reason. New Jersey voters are, are a perennially tough crowd. They expect results. And they should for the outlandishly high taxes we all pay. For Murphy and, and for Joe Biden, the challenge is to maintain a strong economy statewide and nationally. Uh, if the economy's strong in October and New Jersey Republicans are still divided, we're going to have a tough time in November. But, you know, if the economy tanks, if Biden keep making, keeps making reckless decisions at the border, shutting down domestic pipelines in deference to, to Russian ones, I feel very confident that we can have a really great 2022. So, you know, a couple things have to align, but uh, I don't think anybody is, is immune uh, from the, the, the wrath of New Jersey voters. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's still a lot of runway between now and the November general election. And Chairman, I want to ask you about this is this is a local politics question for you. You you live in Lopatcong. Sure. It's it, Warren County's part of the seventh congressional district. Uh, yesterday, the Associated Press ran a story that that the Democratic congressman from that district, Tom Malinowski, profited off short sales of stocks. And, and some of those stocks involved virus tests and treatments and, and vaccines for, for COVID-19. Will this be an issue when he runs for re-election next year? It absolutely will be an issue. He didn't just profit. They've, congressman Malinowski broke the law. He failed to disclose up to $3.2 million in trades during the pandemic. As much as a million of those stocks were or in medical and tech companies that had a stake in the virus response, at least according to, to the analysis of the records by the AP. Uh, you know, when Tom Malinowski told the MSNBC, I think it was in April of 2020, that this isn't the time for people to be profiting off of selling ventilators, vaccines, drugs, uh, PPEs, anywhere in the world. I guess he didn't mean in, in the 7th Congressional District in the Malinowski, has- in the Malinowski household. Now his- um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, 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 please. Uh, his, his broker said that all of these stock trades were made using publicly available information. They were done without Malinowski's input. Uh, do you think could this be could this be just 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 the results of this as opposed to 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 him, you know, taking advantage of inside information? 
Of course he did. Everybody blames their broker just like they always blame their lawyer. Look, Tom Malinowski won with the closest majority of victory of any Democrat in the country. It was just a touch over 5,000 votes. It was 1%. Uh, and, you know, of course he blames his broker. But we got to remember, it's a question of control. And at the end of the day, he maintained control over all of his trades. He's offering a blind trust now uh, because he had control of them then. Look, either Tom Malinowski is the luckiest trader alive vis-a-vis TFF Pharmaceuticals, vis-a-vis Merck, vis-a-vis Kimco Realty, uh, and every brokerage house in New Jersey should be offering Tom Malinowski a job tomorrow, or he's a crook and a fraud uh, who got rich uh, on insider info from his elected office, and they just all should run for the hills. So I would say this. If Tom Malinowski is listening to the Wildstein radio show today, call us tomorrow and let us know if he gets any job offers. Well, do you really think he, do you really think it's that bad? Do you really think he's I mean, you that's serious? You said he was a crook. Do you think he's just? I think it's worse could, than that. Could he just I be having? Does he just have a really good broker? I think it's worse than that. He's facing two complaints from independent ethics watchdogs filed against them with the Office of Congressional Ethics for failing to disclose his trading. Um, the timing surrounding some of his trades are are dubious at best. He dumped stock the day or two days after he had a COVID, the first COVID briefing in Congress, and then he bought it back later for a profit. Uh, But I don't think that's the worst of it. Look, he was betting against America. And that's sick. It should make people want to retch, vomit. He continues to engage in the same ethically questionable trading practices, selling short American companies. Tom Malinowski went to Congress to fight for economic recovery and job growth, and he's financially invested in America's failure. It's morally and fundamentally wrong. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, over a year ago, uh, another Democratic member of Congress from New Jersey, Mikey Sherrill, uh, she, she proactively announced that she, she would no longer trade stocks, that, that she had converted her entire portfolio to, to what's called exchange traded funds, and that, that eliminated any possibility of a, of a conflict of interest. Should that be the norm? Should every member of Congress do that? Look, lots of people are talking about alternatives now. Tom Malinowski himself is, you know, offering up solutions. You know, it's law school 101. The cover-up's always worse than the crime, which is why I said he's running out to offer now blind trusts and other ways to avoid, you know, having gotten caught for what he did. And remember, you know, <laughs> this came up months ago, uh, but the issue then uh, was simply the fact that he had failed to file you know, now the bigger question is, why did he fail to file? Uh, and it looks like he failed to file because he had things to hide. You know, obviously, we could sit here, you and I, Dave, and come up with a laundry list of things that, that Congress could do uh, to improve its public image. Uh, avoiding situations like these, you know, with insider trading is just one. So what do you think happens now in this 7th District? You, you know, obviously, this this. This this will be an issue. Whether you know that'll be up to the voters to decide how seriously they place it. But but mm-hmm. this seat as it sits right now, understanding that the boundaries could change. Uh, how do you, as a Republican Party leader in Warren County, feel about the prospects of picking this seat up? Um, I felt great about it uh, six eight months ago in, in November of 2020, and I feel even better about it sitting here talking to you in May. Uh, of 2021, and we still got a lot of time between now and the November 2022 election. I think the Biden midterms are already uh, starting to, to take shape uh, as the president continues to make one gaffe after another. Uh, and, you know, from our perspective, you know, from my perspective, sitting uh, here in Warren County, looking at the 7th Congressional District, as you say, waiting to see what redistricting looks like, uh, you know, we're just going to continue to do what I think we've done for a long time, which is to, to deliver uh, strong, positive messaging, maintain that conservative of message, point out the freedoms that are being challenged every day by the left, uh, and getting behind a candidate that we are confident uh, can deliver strong Republican representation to the folks who need it in the 7th Congressional District. So I, I'm, I'm, I, I think I sort of know what your response is going to be, but I'll ask the question anyway. Uh, who should that candidate be to run against Tom Malinowski? Well, listen, it, it's, a, it's early in the process. Uh, I think it's That's what I thought you were going to say. That's what I thought you were going to say. But, uh, you know, I was a Tom Kane, uh, I was a Tom Kane supporter in 2020. Uh, you know, but it's, it's a little early and we got to wait to see what the field looks like. But Tom has, has, has traditionally had, uh, the best interest of this district in heart. He's had the best district of his Senate colleagues in heart. Uh, and uh, I think we just got to wait and see how things play out. Uh, but I know there are a lot of people out there working, uh, who, uh, think they have a path to victory, uh, in 2022. 
So if, you know, and, and, and we're speaking hypothetically because Senator Kane has, you know, as I understand it, has not made a final decision. Do you, do you, if he were to call you today and say, you know, Chairman Steinhardt, what do you think I should do? Should he run again, given the, the closeness of the race last time? Uh, look, I'm not going to – it's hard to answer a hypothetical question, Dave. That's a question that the Kane family has to answer for themselves. I thought he laid great uh, a great foundation uh, in 2020 uh, for the office then, and I think there, it is not difficult for someone to pick up where they left off uh, just eight months ago uh, and looking at the office in 2022. And as I said – uh, running against somebody like Tom Malinowski, whose record is is uh, continuing to erode, uh, just leaves a path for some a strong candidate like Tom to be successful. And 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 and, and we're, we're going to talk. I want to talk to you more about some some local races in New Jersey when when we get back from the break. Sure. But but I've seen uh, I saw a poll this week. It was done by Politico uh, about potential candidates for uh, president in twenty twenty four. Fifty percent of new of Republicans nationally think former President Trump should run again. Do you do you think that's viable? Should he consider running? Again, hard to answer hypothetical questions. You know, I, I think uh, the president still has a strong uh, group of supporters here in New Jersey, uh, evidenced by uh, the response to the gubernatorial candidates. And I'm curious to see that how that plays out in June. But uh, you know, he continues to to. Um, do things and say things that make it sound like he's uh, strongly considering doing that again. We'll have to wait and see what happens. But right now I am firmly focused on the June primaries, not just in my own county, uh, but with friends and candidates around the state as well as in the gubernatorial and doing what we can to make sure that we have a Republican governor come November. Understood. Doug Steinhardt, former Republican state chairman, has generously agreed to to stay on and talk a little bit more about New Jersey politics. So we'll be back uh, in three minutes. This is David Wildstein, and you're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. The following is a paid political announcement. Last year, Phil Murphy gave us the biggest property tax increase in a decade during a pandemic. I'm Jack Chitterelli, Republican candidate for governor. I've built two businesses here in New Jersey, creating jobs, opportunity, and community. This is where my wife, Melinda, and I raised our four children. New Jersey's my home and yours. But sadly, New Jersey's broken. It's broken because of Phil Murphy's failed leadership, and he just continues to make things worse. Leaving thousands of veterans and seniors dead in nursing homes because of his devastating COVID policies. Destroying our small businesses with his extended lockdowns. Raising our taxes while adding billions in new spending. He even said, if taxes are your issue, then New Jersey's probably not your state. you got to be kidding me. Who says that? Taxes are our issue. And Phil Murphy shouldn't be our governor. New Jersey can do better. With Republican Jack Chitterelli as governor, we will. Paid for by Chitterelli for Governor, Inc. P.O. Box 427, Somerville, New Jersey. When it comes to autism, finding the right words can be tough. Finding community in these challenging times doesn't have to be. Join us, even virtually, to move together towards a kinder world for the millions of people on the autism spectrum. Find out how at autismspeaks.org slash together. With Cousin Brucey. Hey, Cousins, it's the Saturday Night Rock and Roll Party. <laughs> With me, I'm your Cousin Brucey. It's today. Go on the air at 6 o'clock. Right here on Music Radio 77 WABC. You can also hear Cousin Brucey on WABCradio.com. Music Radio 77 WABC presents Saturday Nights with Tony Orlando. Every Saturday at 10 p.m. Hi, everybody. This is Tony Orlando. Three times on the ceiling if you want me. Big guests and great music from the 60s, 70s, and so much more. Saturday Nights were made for Music Radio 77 WABC and Tony Orlando. Every Saturday at 10 p.m., right after Cousin Brucey on Music Radio 77 WABC. Follow us on Twitter at 77 WABC Radio. And everyone else reacts. And listen live at WABCRadio.com. It's a mystery. It's an enigma wrapped in a mystery. An American original. 100% Talk Radio 77 WABC. And WABCRadio.com. 
The latest news, behind-the-scenes videos. Get it all now. Like 77 WABC on Facebook. WABC. The New Jersey Globe Power Hour is on. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back. It's David Wildstein, and I'm speaking with Doug Steinhardt, the former Republican state chairman. Uh, chairman Steinhardt, you, I want to talk to you about some of the primaries that are coming up next week at the legislative level. So so one of them that you're watching closely is in Monmouth County. Uh, Monmouth County Republicans denied party support for Assemblywoman Serena DeMasso to run for a third term. You have endorsed Assemblywoman DeMasso for re-election. What happened there? What what caused her to lose party support? Uh, I'm not going to speculate as to what caused her to lose party support. Uh, I will tell you why I stand with Serena, though. Look, it's no secret I am a big fan of Assemblywoman DeMasso. She's a strong fighter for so many of the basic freedoms that are under attack from the left, fair elections, the Second Amendment, medical freedom, and she's stuck by President Trump. Unfortunately for her, the price she's paying for being a strong woman with a strong voice is the same price that a disproportionate number of strong women in Monmouth County, uh, i.e. Jen Beck, Carolyn Casagrande, Mary Angelini, all paid. Uh, Their party abandoned them. I'm standing with Serena DeMasso because New Jersey needs more strong women leaders, not less. And what do you think? I mean, running off the line is is very, very difficult. And there's 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 not that many examples of of people running off the line and winning a primary. How do you handicap her chances? I don't handicap her chances. Serena's a fighter. She's going to work hard. I know she's been working hard. Uh, She's got a good team around her. Uh, I, I don't expect that she will give up. Uh, running against lines are difficult. I get that. Uh, and we're seeing people push back against lines all over the place because uh, they get used in interesting ways sometimes. But I haven't. I, that doesn't take anything away from Serena as a candidate. I don't take anything away from her as an individual. Uh, and I'm quite confident she'll fight right up till uh, the time people head to the polls uh, on, on, on the June election day. So between now and then, I, I wouldn't uh, count her out of this race. Uh, she will work hard right up to the final hour. And... Republicans are defending two seats where the incumbents are are retiring. Chris Brown in Atlantic County, uh, Kit Bateman sure. in Somerset County. These are these are these are swing districts. These are these are tough. I mean, do you what are you hearing from Atlantic County on the first of all on the on the Senate primary between Vince Palestine and, and Seth Grossman? Sure. Look, I, I know both. I, I've known Vince for a long time. I've known Seth. Uh, as both an attorney and as a candidate. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's a strong Trump district. It's got a strong Trump vibe. Uh, you know, Chris Brown did a great job when he was in the state Senate, uh, but there's now a void to be filled. Uh, it comes back to what we talked about right at the top of, uh, of our segment, Dave, and that is, you know, we've got to work hard to get the party together. Uh, we need to bring Republicans under uh, that big tent, that big umbrella, and we all need to be working hard for our for our candidates to make sure that we can hold on to those seats come November. But, uh, you know, as I said, I've known Vince a long time. I've known the people working for him. Uh, I'm anxious to see what, what plays out in, down in Atlantic County. And the same thing holds true uh, up in Senator Bateman's district. You know, Somerset County is a county that uh, has, you know, over the years uh, moved a little bit further to the left side. But... Uh, there are some there are some great strong uh, Republicans in Somerset County, uh, and you know there's some new leadership now with Chairman House. So uh, I, I would like to think that uh, with a new candidate uh, and the uh, the good work and the legacy that Kit Bateman's left in Somerset County, that we have a real possibility of holding onto that seat. So the Republican candidate there is Mike Pappas, who who was a one term congressman, and and he's been out of office. 23 years. Uh, I have to tell you, a lot of people dismissing Mike Pappas saying Andrew Zwicker's strong, that district has become Democratic, but but I think back to to the 80s and 90s, Mike Pappas had some pretty strong skills as a candidate. Do those, do those skills, does that natural instinct on how to campaign, do they hold? I think they do. Uh, Mike's got a great personality. Uh, he's another that, that has honed a strong Republican message, which I think uh, in this instance is talking about getting people back to work, making the country stronger, uh, you know, getting people back on their feet. Uh, I don't think you can count Mike Pappas out at all. Uh, you know, uh, I know uh, 
Mr. Zwicker from his from his legislative record, uh, but I know um, Mr. Pappas from from his uh, congressional record uh, and from his record as a, as a candidate. He's a strong, hard uh, campaigner, and as I said before, I think that uh, with a good organization behind them, uh, with a good unified Republican Party, that's a seat that we that we can hold. And. I mean, what about the 26th district? There's a there's a tough primary there. They created a line for the first time. Betty Ludacris running off the line. It's 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 quite a quite a battle going on there. What do you what are you what are you seeing? What are you hearing in the 26th? You know, that's an interesting one to me. Uh, the first thing that I think we all got to take into consideration is it's a first year line, so it's it's it'll be interesting to see how it how it holds up. Uh, you know, being tested the first time and being tested in such a strong way. There are interesting battle lines that are drawn there. Uh, you know, the building trades play uh, a super strong role in a lot of elections around the state. Uh, and Pat Delacava and the IBW, you know, have, have honed a, quite a, a, a presence up there, uh, especially in 26. So, you know, but Betty Lou was, was traditionally uh, a building trades uh, candidate. They had always rallied behind her. So it's just extremely interesting dynamic. Add that to the fact that Jay Weber just always runs strong in the 26th legislative district. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I, I would not want to have to, uh, to hedge my career on handicapping what goes on in 26. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, they'll be well served by any of the three folks that are in the race. And, and I, I think back to, you know, you know, uh, you, you had, you had several successes when you were Republican state chairman. I don't, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't think you'll disagree with me in saying your, your number one success was, was Mike Testa picking up the Senate seat in District 1. And I love now, Mike Testa, by the way. I, I know, I know. And you, you were, I mean, I, you know, you and I used to joke about, about the, the frequent flyer miles between Warren County and Cumberland County. But, but Testa seems to have in two years, uh, emerged as a real Republican leader. And, and, uh, do you think that seat is safe for him in the general? Do you think he is, uh, do you think in just two years he has taken the seat that, that Jeff Andrew held for 17 years, uh, between the Assembly and the Senate? Is, is this now a Republican district? Why I respect Mike Testa as much as I do is because he will never go to sleep at night thinking that that seat is safe. Uh, he goes to sleep at night trying to figure out what he needs to do the next day to to make things better for the folks in his legislative district, and he gets up the next day and he works to enact them. Uh, that's why Mike Testa's record is as strong as he is. That's why his tentacles are extending as far as they are, and that's why you know he's crafted uh, or or you know forged the path that he's forging down there, and he's and he's emerging as a strong Republican leader. You know, Mike Testa is a hard worker. Uh, Mike Testa is a friend. Mike Testa has been an ally and a confidant of mine, uh, and I am to him. Uh, you know, those are the type of people that I think are the future of the Republican Party. Folks that that are not be afraid to stand behind their message. They're proud of who they are and what they believe in. Uh, and I think you know we're fortunate to have a lot of people like that around the state. Uh, and it's why I think that, you know, the, the prospects for the state party are good. Are good. The, uh, this is David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe. I've been speaking with Republican State Chairman Doug Steinhardt. Chairman, thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you, WAB 77 Talk Radio, WABC, and we'll be back next week.